It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. And we're back again, both of us in studio, two straight weeks. Man, like, who are we? We're adulting now. I know. Wife and kids. I know. We're getting old. <laughs> I think that's what that is. Yeah. Consistent routine now. Um, but anyway, speaking of routine, how's, how's everything with Bo? How's Scarlett? How's Rachel? Things good? Everything's good, man. Um, you know, Bo is eat, sleep, and pooping. And, Boom. you know, having having two kids is everything everyone told me to be, including, <laughs> including exhausting. So if I sound like I'm tired, it's because I am. There you go. Well, um, I know you've been trying to take some steps to mitigate some of the post, uh, post-baby post things that happen uh, uh, to the, the body. Yeah, the, the low, low tea. tea. Tell uh, me, how, how's your uh, your battle to maintain your tea, bud? <laughs> all right. So I'm still, I'm still on that jug life, right? So I carry a, a, a glass, a glass gallon of water, which has actually been really good because I've been drinking a lot more water doing that. It's actually yeah. kept me a lot more accountable. And I didn't realize how dehydrated I was. I think I usually drink more coffee than water. But we, we talked about it last time. I, I was playing around, toying around the idea of getting on testosterone replacement therapy. I'm not going to do it. I, I do not, I don't want to inject myself all the time, yeah. at least not yet. And, and I don't want to have to do that life sentence commitment of going to the doctor, getting the lab work. Donating blood because that stuff turns your blood into paint, apparently. So I, I don't want to go there just yet. Yeah, I do not blame you. Um, sounds like that should uh, not be a first resort. It should be more of a last resort. Ask uh, me again in 10 years. Though. Yeah. So, all right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll come back to that. We'll put it on the <laughs> list of future episodes 10 years from now. Uh, should we still be going? But uh, anyway, man, getting into an interesting topic today. There seems to be this, this debate going on on how important is it that your exercise intervention be more specific or what would be termed more corrective exercise in nature versus more general when it comes to, um, you know, really anything when dealing with a specific uh, injury, ailment, something like that. There's kind of this uh, more general approach versus a specific. And I guess we got to start by defining what, you know, what is corrective exercise? I don't know. Like, I really don't <laughs> know. Like you asked me, like, the first thing that comes that pops in my head is, is a bunch of stuff with like BOSU balls and bands and, and junk yeah. like that. But <laughs> I, I really like, I had to look up what corrective exercise actually means because I think that can be a very subjective thing. So I, I got the definition pulled up right here, just reading it verbatim off of personaltraineredu.org. Um, they define corrective exercise um, as exercise therapy and corrective exercise combines scientific principles of human physiology, physics, and biomechanics to address an individual's specific physical and biochemical needs. Corrective exercise is meant to remedy the cumulative results of stresses placed in the body, 
helping to restore and maintain posture balance, mobility, and stability, which allows the body to move freely and without pain. Man. Sounds like exercise. I was just going to say, that sounds like exercise in general, but you know, this, this idea of sticking corrective there, maybe it's more of a, a marketing thing. I read um, in doing a little bit of research leading into this, I was looking up, um, you know, corrective exercise and, 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 you know, just on Google found some things where uh, the NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, uh, Sports Medicine, uh, they have a corrective exercise specialization, um, like certification. And uh, they even list on there that personal trainers who have their certification, that corrective exercise specialization, earn 48% more on average than other personal trainers. So um, whether you're doing anything differently, having that, uh, that, that corrective in there seems to uh, be a draw. Yeah, I, I guess um, it, it comes down to marketing, right? Surprise, yeah. surprise. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's kind of how it works in the Con Ed world, right? You come up with a bunch of terms and exercises that have three-letter acronyms that yeah. nobody knows exactly what they stand for. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to come to part two to figure yeah. out what those words mean. But Brandon, what about that stuff with the balloon? You talking about where your patient lies on the floor and they're like breathing through a balloon and it's supposed to like improve your snatch and your clean and jerk. Is that, yeah, oh. yeah man. I mean, is that not <laughs> going to ultimately help me win the CrossFit games? Man, that's, um, that's some PRI stuff there. I, I don't even think that's real. I think that's gotta be a running joke. Like I think that, that, that kind of group has got like some kind of like inside joke where they're seeing how many people they can convince to do that ridiculous stuff in the clinic, man. Yeah. It can't be real. You know, I, I have seen some people using it. Um, I have not used it, so I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment, but it's it's interesting. We'll just leave it in that category of interesting. Because I, when I think corrective exercise, and you mentioned BOSU ball and, and other kind of maybe some, some interesting methods uh, of making simple exercises uh, complicated. But for me, I think, you know, what comes to my mind is something more, you know, isolated, focusing on something that's supposedly very specific. So um, in my mind, it's like, okay, maybe a sideline external rotation for, you know, working on cuff strength versus uh, more general shoulder strength thing for like a press. I, I kind of look at it as like, okay, maybe that's what they mean by this is you're, you're identifying and targeting a specific area, what have you, that kind of thing. And, and there's been some, you know, this has been a talk uh, or a topic of conversation on, social media, Instagram by, you know, people, the same, the same people I know that, that we've mentioned on here before and, and Adam Meekins and Jared, Jared Hall, those kind of guys where, you know, they cite all this literature that shows like, well, being that specific with things doesn't necessarily seem to be that much more beneficial than just general exercise. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I, w I would assume that the literature would reflect that too, because when you think about it, it isn't all exercise corrective. I mean, mm -hmm. isn't the goal to create adaptation? Yeah. I mean, are we trying to correct some kind of strength loss, mobility deficit, learning a new skill, motor patterning, that kind of thing too. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it sounds like from what we've kind of read up ahead of this, it's just a, a marketing tool, what it comes down yeah. to the term corrective exercise. Um, now I guess going by that definition, is there a place, is there a time and a place to do exercises in, with the intent of isolating certain groups of muscles? Let's say isolating certain patterns, maybe, maybe priming some kind of movement or something like that. Is, is there a time and a place for that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, for me, it, it comes down to, it's not that maybe one is better than the other. It's that it's all great and it all can be used in specific situations um, for specific reasons. And, and that the biggest thing is 
moving and getting it moving and and whether that be through isolating a specific muscle quote unquote or something more general you're still getting it moving you're still loading it and that's where you're getting that benefit from i think um for me yeah maybe that maybe that does play a little bit of a role early on or something that maybe from the psychology of the patient too you're addressing their specific need i mean maybe there's something there but um for me you know i can't negate all those the, the you know non-specific more systemic effects of general exercise that are so important that are that I think you know we're missing out on if we're only focusing on kind of being you know you know so specific with things yeah and so I'm just thinking about a common example like something I did this morning in the clinic so yep. we have we do this all the time right we had someone squatting they mm-hmm. were new to the movement and their knees caved in they had what we call valgus knees mm-hmm. we used a band we threw it around their knees gave them some tactile cueing, some verbal cueing. I want you to break that band whenever you squat. It changed the way they squatted. We took the band away. They carried that over. That's probably an example of corrective exercise. Like, yeah. So I think that's a way where that could fit in um, in that regard. Now, I'll, I'll say this too, thinking about my experience. When I first went through the functional movement screen, the FMS certification, you learn the screen and then you kind of get some information about what they call corrective exercise through mm-hmm. the functional movement systems. And I remember when I first learned that stuff, man, I was getting people I was getting people rolling and crawling. I still do that. But the problem was I was having people do too much of that quote unquote corrective exercise and not enough training, not enough, you know, loading to create adaptation. And not only in hindsight was that time probably not being used as efficiently as it could have been, but also what happens whenever you throw all kinds of complicated stuff out there, patients sometimes get paralysis by analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. I don't think you can ever go wrong with that. So these days, you know, my, uh, my rehab looks a lot like training. And if I do corrective exercise, I'm trying to use as little of it as possible, or maybe, maybe we're just going to put it into the warm up, And then after that, we're getting after it. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a great perspective on it. And just to highlight some of the, the literature that, that has been, you know, identified by uh, some of these guys we mentioned, they put a lot of this up there that I've been reading through. There are, you know, they cite some articles that show no difference between walking and specific exercises in terms of low back pain, effectiveness with um, low back pain, isolated cuff work versus general shoulder rehab in pain and function the shoulder, um, glute rehab, specific glute rehab versus sham rehab, really having no difference in pain and function. Um, and that one was in postmenopausal women. Um, that you know, those are just some examples of where uh, you know they take in something that was like okay, they try to compare some, uh, something that was you know more specific and generally uh, perceived as very specific for that that speci- that thing that that person's there for uh, to see you for versus taking more of a general approach. And and uh, you know they continue on. There's some things like scap sta- uh, stabilization work versus general shoulder strengthening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we hear this all the time with low back pain, like core stability exercises or a general strengthening. Um, for me, my back pain patients, I'm, I'm teaching them how to hinge. I'm loading it up. Um, you're getting plenty of, of core stability work in that way for me. Um, but, you know, the, again, no differences in pain and, uh, you know, pain and function when taking that approach. So it's, it's interesting that there's this data coming out that shows, you know, what's the most important thing is just getting people moving, figuring out what you can load, what patterns you can load modifying the pattern to be able to load it and then progressing it from there. Yeah. You know, that, uh, that core stability myth, you know, the history behind that. No, tell me about it. So it was a bunch of Australian physios down under. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of emphasis, almost like a religion into the yeah. transverses of dominus, right? They had everybody sucking their belly buttons in that kind of thing. They opened up gyms based off of that mm-hmm. over the years, it got over to the U S and then it created this massive, um, freaking, um, what's the word, the plague of people who were scared to move 
without sucking right. in their belly button and that kind of thing too. So that's, uh, that's one where I'm very, very glad the literature showed that this has nothing to do with your back pain whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's been established for a long period of time that for some types of low back pain, especially chronic walking can be just as, if not more effective than doing mm -hmm. specific exercise. I don't think that makes you any less of a doctor to be able to recognize that because it doesn't take as much skill um, because we know a lot of the magic in this profession is the education, putting the right, word out, right. giving people what we call an internal locus of control that we help empower them to be able to fix themselves, right? The body fixes itself at the no. end of the day. We don't fix anyone. So um, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. You know, I prefer whenever we can keep, keep it simple and people can maintain their progress on their own and not have to come see me forever on end. Yeah. We got enough patients to go around. No, no, I think you're exactly right, man. And, and I think that sometimes we try to, we, we try to make, simple things complicated or fancy because we, we we try to feel like we have to have this this purpose mm -hmm. and that we we have all this educational this knowledge like i can't you know i can't just be giving this person walking when it's right. like yeah and and so i can understand that a little bit but you know again if we're trying to to do something that's going to one get them better two that they can comply with that's something that's easy for them to keep going without us as you mentioned giving them the control over it uh, you know and and that it's Sometimes it doesn't have yep. to be complicated. What's wrong with doing this? So person comes in, they got back pain. Hey, you know what? When you're not at the clinic, I don't want to waste your time. Why don't we get you walking, right? So mm -hmm. let's do a walking program. You know, we'll look at starting 15, 20 minutes, 12 to 45, whatever. We throw the numbers out there. But hey, at the same time, you want to get strong. Mm -hmm. You want to learn how to deadlift yeah. so you can pick things up a little easier. You want to learn how to squat. Oh, you want to carry some things. And then maybe we can get you connected with a personal trainer or a gym in town so you can keep this lifestyle up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're not bullshitting people. Mm -hmm. You're being honest with them. And at the end of the day, you're improving their health and their well-being. No, I, that that's awesome, man. And that is exactly what we should be trying to do, right? We're trying to give them all the tools uh, to not need us anymore. You know, recur, recurring, uh, recurring revenue there is not the goal. It's not keeping them in the clinic. You know, if we can get them out by, you know, exactly what you just said, even hooking them up with the, the right personal trainer, it comes back. We talked so many times on this, uh, on the show of uh, having, you know, a network of people in your area that you can send people to and recognizing wins like, Hey, this person needs to learn how to move and load effectively. And then they're going to be completely fine. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, but I do think it would be cool to kind of dive into why we think, uh, you know, this more general approach might be just as uh, effective as something more specific in terms of like, what are those systemic mechanisms by which we're seeing all that progress? Um, and the first one we talk about it, you know, we talk about on here all the time is the effect of exercise on pain and what would be considered exercise induced hypoanalgesia. Um, and, you know, that's one of the big reasons why we want to load at whatever that person's capable of loading at that time um, because of those, you know, endogenous opioid releases that, that it's going to affect pain. So that's number one for me, man, is I'm getting them moved because oftentimes moving is helping with their pain. The whole reason might be the reason they're coming to me is, hey, it hurts when I do this. It's okay. Well, we're going to try to load this effectively so that way it doesn't hurt as much. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Hypoalgesia, hypo, uh, what's, what's the word? Hypo, hypo, uh, hypo, hypoanalgesia. Hypoanalgesia. Yeah. Um, I can't say it right. <laughs> um, I got to read it. But, anyways, uh, yeah, that's huge, right? The, we know, we know that such nervous system, brain is controls everything, right? And you're going to get a nice endorphin release. Um, and a lot of times that can last, but also you improve a person's confidence when they, do something that they were fearful of doing sometimes they've been fearful of doing it for years and now all of a sudden they realize that hey i'm not as fragile as i used to be yeah and that opens the door to be able to do more things um other systemic effects i think capacity is a huge one right yep. so you know someone comes in and 
their pain, wherever it may be, you know, insert body part here, shoulder, back, knee gets exacerbated whenever they are at work, end of the day type stuff, and they've done a certain amount of things. Well, that means that their bucket's full, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can do some non-specific stuff, you know, someone's got back pain, what would you get them on a bike? What would you get them walking? Now we've improved their capacity. We've improved their endurance to be able to get through a full work day, right? And it doesn't necessarily have to be corrective. We don't have to be doing bird dogs and plank. Even though I like those exercises, we don't have to do them all day long until the cows come home. We can actually incorporate some other things like that. So I think so far we got um, hypo analgesia. Yep. We got capacity. What mm -hmm. else? Oh, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but it, it's reducing their fear of movement for me is another mm -hmm. one. Um, and, and that is huge. Um, because you met, you kind of are, uh, you know, use some, some keywords or some phrases that I would also try to use too. And that, you know, a lot of times there's this idea that we're fragile, especially mm -hmm. I, I always think, you know, I'm talking about spine a little back, but you know, is, is people just, they, they, they had this idea that their, their spine is, is so fragile that they, they can't, you know, they're trying to pick stuff off the ground without having any rounding at mm -hmm. all, like just to pick a pencil off the ground. And it's, it's, it's just introducing them to, to these movements that, you know, and letting them realize and, and feel that like, oh, I can do this. I can handle this. And, you know, I'm, my, my, I'm much, my spine's much more robust. And that, you know, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is with the lower back, but you know, it kind of is all over. A lot of times it's just reducing that fear, um, that fear of movement. You know, who creates that fear. A lot oh, of times it's medical us. professionals. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times it's clinicians, mm -hmm. right? Um, it can be PTs, right? Say mm -hmm. McKenzie stuff, right? Your classic McKenzie patient. Mm -hmm. They get pain shooting down their leg whenever they bend over. So, historically they would see a pt they would do tons of extensions because imagine like leaning back repetitively or getting on the ground doing repetitive cobra that makes the pain go away in their back but then they've been told never go into flexion again you get people that legit come in and they're scared to tie their shoes and they've been like that for a long time they do not have flexion in their spine and that kind of thing so they're super fearful to do it so um it's it's a very interesting thing um the kind of stuff that we can create in our people for good and for bad yeah i think that comes down to you know we've talked about it on here before. It's like your language is so important and, and we need to um, really be conscious of what we're saying. And, and also, you know, when someone comes to us and they've had that, you know, that instilled in them by a previous, you know, practitioner they've seen, it's like, okay, how are you, how are you going to deal with that? And then how are we going to introduce these movements that I want them to be able to do, but in a non-threatening manner and then progress them accordingly. Um, and so I think that's one big, you know, another big, area why why general exercise is so effective um it's you're reducing that fear man yep 100 mm -hmm. um other than that i think the thing to keep in mind is we talk all the time about how we want even, even people who are into corrective exercise right people who are into saying hey we got to get this looser get this stronger that kind of thing too you got to go back to your basic exercise science principles right if you're going to get someone strong, you've got to introduce a certain amount of load, right? Yep. So you've got to put a barbell on their hands, a dumbbell on their hands. You're not going to get it done with uh, gray cook bands or yellow therapans and stuff like that too. So you've got to go beyond that a little bit. Yeah, no. And that's, uh, you know, I love that you, you keep referring back to, to capacity and getting people strong. And that's essentially the way we mitigate risk of, of injury or re-injury as you build up capacity to where you know it is greater than whatever load or stress they're going to be placing on that tissue and so it only happens through training and through loading and that you can only load up a sideline dumbbell external rotation exercise so much right and it might be appropriate initially maybe because they're they're so irritable that you're starting with something more of like you know you know isometrics and then progressing from there potentially but uh, eventually you got to be able to load those structures up a little bit more and that's where progressing from then some type of you know more compound pressing movement and building from there is so important um 
because eventually, you know, we, we need to build that capacity up enough that their day-to-day loading that they do, whether it just be, you know, in their daily life or within their training, they have the capacity to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Load, if load is greater than capacity, that equals injury, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. if capacity is greater than load, that equals injury prevention. There you go. Simple, easy. Um, and I think that that's a big reason why we got to get people moving and loaded up. So I don't think we want to, you know, with this episode, the intent wasn't to hate on corrective exercise or hate on people who, you know, do corrective exercise. I think it's not one or the other. Right. We talk about time. We don't subscribe to absolutes. Right. It's not that you can't use specific things. I think it's just understanding that there is a role for general exercise. And sometimes we don't have to make it complicated. We can keep it simple and we can really, you know, help our patients build up that capacity, build up that reserve help them get back to doing what they're going to do what they want to do and then also prevent something bad happening in the future yeah and i think just just to put this in the real world if you're a clinician you know just keep in mind i, I wouldn't recommend building your rehab program around corrective exercise mm-hmm. they have a place personally i would program it in during warm-up during a rest break maybe as part of like a build-up set but otherwise we're going to try to leave that behind as early as we can Yep. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes, leave us a review. We're getting close. I think we're only what, eight away from a hundred. We're getting, yeah, something like that. It better be, better be six. Hopefully these, six. Yeah. Interns. Yeah, I know. Now we got these interns. We need to get the interns on it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're so close uh, to a hundred. That's a big goal of ours. We'd love if you could help us out with that. It's also how we reach more people. And it's a great place to leave a comment or a question for an episode or a topic that you want us to talk about in the future. So thank you again for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.com.